Welcome back, everybody, to the Noggin Notes podcast. My name is Jake Wiskirchen. I'm your host, and this podcast is just me today. I'm talking about uh, my stuff, and I'm using this forum to um, process my own uh, junk, and you're my therapist. Not really. I'm totally kidding. Uh, but, I do, but I do share a lot of uh, personal stuff that's been going on in my life in an effort to help you guys see how my mind processes things that happen to me. So I thought maybe it'd be kind of a cool look into, you know, quote unquote, the mind of a clinician and how he deals with uh, distressing life circumstances and uh, gets through them. Because I think ultimately that's what this is about. So as always, the podcast is brought to you by Zephyr Wellness. It's a company that I co-own in Reno and Sparks, Nevada with my co-owner, Lindsay Bell. We are very excited to be, we're going to be expanding. Uh, so I'm going to tease that out there. We're, we're expanding. We're going to take over the other half of our Sparks office and uh, grow a little bit. I'm very, very excited about that. We don't have a date yet, uh, but I'm, I'm too excited, so I just figured I'd share. I'm probably looking sometime in September. But uh, in the meantime, you can also support us by checking out our other sponsor, which is Audible. Audible is an Amazon company. And if you go to audibletrial.com slash noggin notes, you will get a free 30-day period to check out uh, noggin notes. (laughs) Check out noggin notes here by listening to me. You'll get a free 30-day period to check out Audible. You'll get a free audiobook downloaded with that. And even if you cancel and decide not to continue, you'll get to keep your audiobook. Audible has a completely unmatched selection of audio files of all sorts from uh, news and comedy and sports and original content to, of course, the the actual audio books, which are uh, physical books read into a microphone so that you can listen to them instead of having to uh, read them. And I, I love audiobooks. I think they're great. I love podcasts. You throw your headphones in, uh, you can you know listen while you're mowing the lawn or doing yard work, or you can uh, listen while you're driving through your Bluetooth system on your car. I, I think I think they're great. So check out audibletrial.com slash Nogginuts for your free 30-day trial. You'll help us out here at the podcast and the app, and you'll also get yourself some quality material. I'm going to uh, be talking the rest of the time, so I'm going to stop talking now. And I hope you enjoy what I'm trying to offer you today in the form of some, maybe some insight and some self-help as to uh, understand how your own brain ticks by understanding a little bit how my brain ticks. This, uh, I I don't know what we're going to call this, but I'm sure Safiso will give it a good title. Enjoy me rambling about my life and how I deal with stuff. So it occurred to me recently that I should probably share with the listening audience a little peek behind the curtain of what life is like when it gets really stressful and frustrating for a mental health practitioner like myself. So it's just me today, and I'm going to share some stories with you about what's transpired over the last 8 to 10 weeks or so in my life, because it's been very, um, I guess, uh, sad and exciting and frustrating and triumphant and uh, disappointing and uh, celebratory in many ways, and groundbreaking in others, and, and there's just been a lot of, inv- of events that have unfolded, say that three times fast, in my life, and they've all been cause for emotional uh, upheaval, uh, some of them very good, some of them not so good at all, and I'm not going to share uh, any of the super private moments, but I will share enough that I think you're going to get an idea about 
how you can apply some of the stuff that I've spent the last two years on this podcast discussing. And I think we're celebrating episode number 99 today, uh, which I think is a, a really cool benchmark. Uh, we're, we're approaching 100, and uh, I don't I don't try to go out of my way necessarily to you know do something special for for milestones. It's just not really in my character. I, I I acknowledge them. I think it's cool. I high five a couple of people, and then and then I move on with life. And I think that theme weaves in and out through the stories I'm about to tell today on on this episode. So. The intentionality here is not for me just to vent and offload some of the the events that have transpired in my life and some of the frustrating and, and joyful experiences that I've had uh, in you know, some sort of celebratory uh, braggadocio way. It's it's um, it's quite honestly a a practical look at how I, as a mental health practitioner who presumably lives this stuff out in his life, you know, day in and day out handles life day in and day out because I think what what gets lost a lot of times in the conversation either in therapy itself or in um, side conversations with uh, you know friends and colleagues and parishioners and that kind of thing or just in hearing self-help type deals like like this and like reading columns and that sort of thing is the is the how-to right so a lot of times I've said that intellectually you can understand something you can know it you can make sense of it and it still doesn't necessarily help a great deal because what you're going through is emotional and it's not logical so if I sit down with you and I help you understand the cause behind some thing that happened um, you can you can know that and realize that uh, a affected B which led to C but it's not satisfying because the C that occurred in your life created an emotional experience. And it's the emotion that you have to sit in in order to move through and leave behind the thing that just happened and then uh, go on to the next thing. So simply trying to make sense of things does not does not really um, does not really satisfy the brain. So let me give a, a hard concrete example here. Many years ago, I was working in inpatient therapy uh, at, a, at a hospital here in town for children and adolescents and I had this this boy who was 15 or 16 years old at the time and he was in there because of some uh, bad behaviors and um, some emotional dysregulation and and whatnot so I don't I don't want to say that you know we hospital kids for being bad that's not that's that's not what I'm saying but if you have a series of uh, miscreant behaviors and and delinquency, uh, oftentimes what is accompanying that is a mental illness of some sort. And then we, we get a diagnosis like uh, oppositional defiant disorder or conduct disorder. And the interference in a person's life created by that series of behaviors is such that they need to be treated in a hospital and locked residential facility for their own safety and the safety of others. So in this particular case, and I may be conflating um, events here with this with this young man, but because um, I, I treated so many of these kids, but he either uh, stole a car or set fire to something or beat somebody up, or it doesn't really matter because they all kind of blend together. But whatever he a series of behaviors he did, uh, he did them long enough, and he failed out of different uh, lower level treatment interventions like office talk therapy and you know uh, IOP, which is intensive outpatient or um, you know, partial hospitalization program, or maybe in-home work. So he, he failed out of those levels of care and, and eventually ended up getting hospitalized for, you know, it can last anywhere from a few weeks to a few months. So I want to say that we were probably eight or ten weeks in on this on this kid, and I'm working with him, and I'd already explained the emotion stuff that I explained to you guys on this podcast. And 
and so he knew all this stuff. He knew how to ride the wave and he knew um, what the emotions do and, and what they tell you. And he could rattle them off like he could pass any exam that we gave him because he had intellectualized the, the experience. So one day I'm sitting talking with him and he says uh, he's, he's really frustrated. He's still angry. He, he hasn't changed much. Uh, he's learned a lot, but he hasn't changed much because he hasn't applied much of the, the stuff that I've talked to him about. And so we're talking, he's frustrated and he's, he's going off and he's like, I just don't understand. I don't understand why, you know, uh, things happen in my life. And the things that happened in his life were his dad was very, very abusive. He was in and out of prison for lots of crimes and eventually stopped talking to him a couple of years prior because he was, even though he was in prison, he wasn't corresponding, which, which upset, I mean, that's upsets any child, no matter how, you know, what the relationship is. So he was very upset about this and and I, I sat with him and I said, listen, man, we know why. We know why you do the things you do. They were modeled for you by your dad. We know why your dad did the things to you that he did because his dad did those to him. He learned this stuff. You've learned it. You keep doing the same behaviors. You know why. Stop asking why. It's not, it's not satisfying. And he looked at me and he's like, I know. I don't get it. Like, why won't I just don't get it? And, and I could see the frustration in him. I said, listen, man. It's because there's nothing to get. You understand it all. It's hitting the wrong part of the brain. And I drew the brain up, or I may have tapped my forehead. I can't remember. But um, I said, look, you're, you're hitting the frontal lobe with the why question. The problem is why and understanding why doesn't satisfy the pain. You have to sit in the pain and realize that people just let you down in your life. Your dad didn't do his job the way that you expected him to. And that's why you're sad. That's why you're hurting. You just need to sit in that. And that's riding the wave through. And he looked at me and he just burst into tears and he cried. And I, I'm sure I cried. I, you know, I cry sometimes with my clients because things are just tough to sit in sometimes. And I think authenticity matters. Um, and we sat there for a while and we, and we processed it and, and he, he just kind of calmed down eventually. And he looked at me, he goes, I think I get it now. A week later, he discharged. He had been there for two and a half months and he was just frustrated. He was intellectualizing it. A super smart kid, but he didn't let himself go there and be vulnerable and feel what he needed to to feel in order to move through it. He was he was trying to rationalize and intellectualize all of the life experiences that led him to this this awful place. And you know, hospitalization is awful. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like we try to tell kids, like, oh no, you're going to go get well in this hospital. No, it sucks. Like you're you're in a lockdown residential facility, and yes, you're getting help. Yes, it's it's healing. Yes, it's safe, um, but it's not fun at all. And um, so he had tried to you know intellectualize all this stuff and make quote unquote sense of it, but it was hitting the wrong part of the brain. And if, for those of you who haven't heard the emotion series, but please go back and listen. I I've done it twice. Once is in the very beginning and once a little more robustly and comprehensively around December of uh, 2018. And I forget the episode numbers, but uh, go back and listen to those and you'll understand what I'm talking about here with the different parts of the brain. So Neurologically speaking, if we're asking a why question, that's coming from the frontal lobe. And if we're asking a why question to an emotional experience, like um, why is it why is this baseball game so exciting? It's like, well, that's that's self evident. Um, the baseball game's exciting because your brain tells you that it's exciting, and you just need to feel the excitement and enjoy it, and then move through it, so you can experience the next moment. Maybe it's a sad moment. Maybe it's a maybe it's a moment that brings you anger. But simply trying to figure things out isn't going to alleviate the 
the neurochemicals in the brain that are that are trying to instruct you on how to respond to the environment. So one of the things we we often retreat to when we're faced with difficult situations is we try to say, you know, we try to figure them out. We try to ask why. And that, and that's okay because we like to make sense of things and it gives us a sense of, um, you know, security and, and understanding. Uh, but when we do that too much, what we end up with is, is an emotional bottling. And then that bottling comes out in, in weird ways and, um, and those are often unpleasant. And so we don't want to bottle up emotion. We want to we want to acknowledge it. We want to embrace it. We want to move through it. And so I want to give you some practical examples of what's happened to me in the, in the course of the last uh, several weeks of my life and maybe help wrap your head around some of this stuff. So what I'd like to do is I'm, I'm going to read off a list of stuff that has happened in my life over the last uh, two months. And I'm, trying to, I'm going to try to do it as neutrally as possible. Uh, and I'm not going to assign value until after I'm done listing it. So... Today is July 26, 2019. I'm going to go back almost exactly uh, two months. It's going to be like two months and a week to May 22nd, uh, I think is the day. So uh, the first thing, the, the first major thing that happened, and I, again, I'm saying these neutrally and I'm not applying value. I just want you, your ears to hear it. So I had a surgery, it was a vasectomy. And then six days later, I had another surgery, it was a knee scope to clean up some cartilage damage. Uh, my friend, Adam Sikorsky, who's been on this podcast, came into town and stayed with us for uh, three days or so. I got some new clients, uh, several, uh, who presented with, um, very interesting presentations that that were very challenging lights of which I'd never seen before. So that, that's significant for two reasons. One is that the challenge of the presentation that required some consultation with some colleagues, but also I hadn't been taking clients for a long time, uh, because I've been so focused on the licensing board stuff. Uh, right about that same time, you guys all know that I homebrew, and uh, that's that's like my one hobby that I have left. Um, I'm trying to play sports again, but and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, my my beer fridge started um, losing temperature, or I guess I should say gaining temperature because it was uh, going warm. <laughs> uh, so it's a big chest freezer. I inherited it from my grandfather. It's like 45 years old. It's got a bunch of stickers on it. It's got a bunch of sentimental value. Um, and you know, obviously, I've, I've customized it to to have my tap system in it and stuff. So a lot of labor went into that. So it's started started failing, and I just had it repaired about eighteen months ago. So that happened uh, right about the same time we left for South Dakota for ten days to visit my wife's side of the family. Uh, we came back from that ten day trip, uh, had a day, and then I was immediately on a plane to Las Vegas again for two more days, where I flew down, met some some people who invited me to become part of their clinical advisory board. Uh, the group is called Inspire, but it's spelled I-N-S-P-I-R-3.com uh, is the, the web address. And it's they aim to build a behavioral health care hospital in Southern Nevada. So that was that was one day. And then I met with Mike Sodini of Walk the Talk America. We recorded a podcast with Shrey Miller. That was super fun. Um, and then the next day, Friday, I had my very last board meeting for the, the licensing board I, that I chaired. And then I did a training right after that meeting. Uh, then I came back to town and found out that, yes, my fridge is definitely, uh, it gave up the ghost. And so I thought, well, we could call the repairman and, uh, you know, have him come back out and he didn't call me back, called another person. That person didn't call me back, called the third person. They couldn't come out for another week. So meanwhile, I, my beer is like 72 degrees, which is not what beer should be. <laughs> and, uh, and I can't, I can't really, uh, ferment either because the temperature is too hot. Uh, then my wife's parents came into town and they stayed with us for about two weeks, uh, overlapping this, this period as well. Um, 
Uh, we were closed at Zephyr for all of Independence Day week, during which we accumulated 54 new intakes, which is uh, awesome and humbling and mind-blowing all at the same time, because usually summertime is, um, in our field, summertime kind of dips. There's this old adage that says, you know, the sun comes out and everybody's problems go away. Uh, but usually summertime's a little slower, but it, it's not. It hasn't been for us, so that was that was cool. Um, came back from Independence Day, and the first three days of the week following that, our office software that handles all the client data and um, and the co-payments um, and it links to our finances and it handles the scheduling all that went down uh, the subscription service we paid for just was was on the fritz uh, no none of the customers could log in for for three days it was it was crazy so we had all these intakes but we couldn't call anybody back because um, we couldn't give them an appointment we couldn't verify their insurance uh, it was it was terrible so it really put us in a bind uh, the next day, which was Wednesday. So that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the system was back up and running, but also Wednesday, I found out that, uh, my, in, my, my air conditioning in my truck was making weird noises and it was making this awful flapping sound, uh, almost sound like a, like I blew a tire and I'm going to give you the long story. Very, very short here just to get to the punchline, but I found out there was a, there were rats nesting in my air conditioning in my HVAC unit. And, uh, one of them got in there and, uh, I turned on the blower and it, it was whipping around and it, it died inside. And that's very disgusting and graphic, but, uh, that's what happened. And it freaked me out. So, uh, I had to take my truck into the shop and then they gave me this, uh, sweet, um, Toyota Sienna minivan rental car, which I'll tell more about in a minute. <laughs> Toyota Sienna is a really cool, um, so I've got my, my truck in the shop for the rat in the HVAC. And then the next day, our office manager at Zephyr quit. And uh, that was that was distressing, obviously. Uh, and then the next day, I was, I was on a plane to, so this is Friday now of the week following Independence Day. I was on a plane to San Diego for my cousin's bachelor party. And then and we watched a Padres-Braves game. Cool stadium down there, by the way. And then we, I came back, and uh, the... The repair guy who had fixed my fridge earlier that week, uh, you know, filled it full of Freon whatnot, and it was it was running. Um, he had uh, he'd put some slime in there. Think like slime, like a bicycle tire. You put slime in it, it like plugs holes if they're in there. We put some of that stuff in there, but but apparently it didn't take, and so it all leaked out again in like eight days, and that was like two hundred fifty three dollars uh, for the repair, uh, basically to get eight days worth of cooling out of my fridge. Uh, so the fridge died again, and it's definitely dead, and uh, possibly so is my homebrew hobby. And then we found out that at home, our hot water heater uh, won't maintain a pilot light. So that's got to be replaced, and that's not cheap. And uh, and then this week, uh, my family and I went in the Toyota Sienna. So it was my parents, my wife, and my two boys. Uh, we went down to a Giants game in San Francisco. We spent the night, and the, the Sienna was amazing. Uh, it's got great – I don't know why I'm advertising the Toyota Sienna. I guess because I never saw myself as liking minivans, but – darned if this one wasn't awesome so we went to the Giants game so I was gone another two days from work uh came back and had the walk the talk America event last night and if you guys didn't hear about this uh we're 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 merging the the cultures of guns and mental health and we're trying to bring the two cultures of people together uh for a variety of reasons I'm not going to get into here but the event was a, a resounding success it was hosted by Reno Guns and Range uh they, they didn't charge us for the space uh walk the talk uh helped foot some of the cost and basically all the participants had to do is pay for some ammunition and they and they learned stuff about guns and we had nice roundtable discussions it was very very successful so that was super awesome and I woke up this morning and um and I was like man 
I should probably write down a list about all the stuff that I've been through and use it in a podcast to help people, you know, understand that they can indeed endure um, tough situations in life. And I literally had to sit down and write this list out because I couldn't remember it all. So overarching all this, uh, there are a couple things of importance. Uh, one is that my beloved Giants have gone on a winning streak of sorts and they've won like 16 to 20 games. So that's been that's been pretty cool to watch. Um, I'm also chairing a, a board of directors for a new charter school called Pinecrest up here in Northern Nevada, and that's uh, being implemented. And we've had several meetings about that and the parent info nights and that kind of thing. So that's been super cool. Walk the Talk America obviously is overriding all this stuff. Um, I've still got a business to run. I've got interns to, to mentor and to supervise. I've got students to coach through. Um, but then also I mentioned the knee surgery. So this is where I get to get a little bit, um, you know, value judgy here with, with the events that happen. So surgery is not fun anytime. Um, but this particular knee surgery went very, very well and I could not be happier. And a shout out to Ryan Dobbs, my uh, orthopedist, who is a wonderful man. And I, I'm, I'm hopeful to have him on the podcast too, because he's going to talk about some of the the mental uh, struggles that people have just simply going through various orthopedic surgeries. But anyway, um, I got my knee cleaned up and it felt great. It felt as good as it's felt since I injured it like 12 years ago. So I started trying to to do normal things again. But over the last several years that I'd, I'd had this damage in my knee, I'd basically been limping off the knee and it resulted in this ripple effect uh, up through my hips and my and my lower back and my spine and and um, and all the muscles had had changed and they're going different directions now. And so to try to just reverse course as soon as my knee felt good made my back seize up. And I had all these, these back issues all of a sudden, and I like couldn't bend over and I couldn't tie my shoes. And I couldn't put my pants on. It was like, I was in, I was in extreme pain all the time. So the knee surgery, good thing, uh, resulting back pain from trying to walk normal again and not limp on it. Uh, bad thing. Uh, the vasectomy was, was challenging because I think psychologically, if you're not in a place, uh, to consider the fact that you won't ever sire offspring again, you know, that, that can be pretty significant. It, it wasn't for us because we always knew we had, we wanted two kids, but, but it's a significant event nonetheless. Um, my friend Adam staying was a good thing. That's always good. I love seeing Adam and you heard him on the podcast. Uh, he, he owns and operates change wealth advisors up in Alaska. So that, that's always enjoyable. But hey, you got somebody staying in your house. You know that's that's it's stressful. Uh, the new clients thing I mentioned. I'm not going to get into that, um, but it's it's intense. And then um, the South Dakota trip. Hey, I'm leaving. I'm leaving town for ten days. Like, of course, it's enjoyable being around family and and getting out for a little while. But you know, your business partner has to pick up the rest of it, and your your office manager and that kind of thing. So you know, there's there's stress. The Vegas trip was absolutely one of the most emotional things I've ever been through. Uh, out of all the the stuff that we've done over the last three years, I think that was the most intense simply because it represented a culmination of sorts. Our bill had made it through the legislature and got passed. Uh, our code changes got adopted. The office staff was streamlined and running. And we also had a realization that for the first time in the board's entire history, the executive director, which is basically the person that runs the office, was being transitioned. All other, like, I think there were six of them, all other six or five executive directors or temp executive directors or interim executive directors had all been terminated or quit. And so that was a really cool thing for us to see and um, and to celebrate. So we've come a long way in Nevada uh, regarding behavioral health in the last several years, but uh, specifically with my licensing board, that was, that was a super intense emotional day. Um, the, the, the beer fridge quitting obviously is 
distressing because I, I that's my only hobby these days. I'm trying to play baseball again, uh, but we'll we'll see how the back and the and the knee hold up. And you know, 41 years old, cell regeneration ain't what it used to be. So even just recovering from playing baseball <laughs> takes a lot longer. And uh, who knows how that's going to go? So basically, like beer brewing is like my only hobby, and it's fun because I get to give it all away to friends and. Um, obviously we drink some of it, but, uh, it's fun to experiment with new recipes and not being able to do that is, is, um, it was, it was quite, it was quite crushing to, to have to let go of that. And I might mention that a little bit more later on. Um, wife's parents staying in town. They're great people, loving pieces. Um, and yet again, just like Adam's staying with us, there's, there's somebody living under your roof for a while. And so it's, you know, it puts a burden. Um, even, even when they're helping out and we accomplished a lot, we, we cleaned up the yard and, um, my father-in-law is absolutely amazing because he just, he's so selfless in how he helps like trim hedges around the, the yard and, and picks up leaves and cuts branches and like, um, just, he just, he's just super helpful. And my, and my mother-in-law is always cleaning and reorganizing things. And so it takes a lot of stress off of, uh, Heather and I to be able to, you know, just know that the kids are watched by them and we can go out and have a date night, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that's, that's good. Oh, and I had a birthday in between there too. Like I, I turned, I turned 41. Uh, so like there's lots of events going on, but you know, still like there's the, just lots of moving parts. And of course, you know, like I said, I'm trying to run a business this whole time. Um, the, the, uh, the week after Independence Day was particularly tough because uh, something I forgot to mention was that Zephyr's expanding. We signed an agreement to take over the other half of our Sparks office location. Uh, so we're gonna, we've, we've hired a couple of new people, and we're going to have some more office space. We're going to add some admin staff. Um, we're growing. We're very, very proud. We're happy to be dumping money back into the company to make things a little more accommodating, like we're adding a break room uh, so that we're not all just kind of hanging out in the hallway eating our lunch. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that kind of thing. But uh, that happened the same day that our office manager quit. And uh, that, you know, that always throws a wrench into, into things when you're having to shuffle and realign. Uh, you know, hiring new people and fiscal years are ending and you're having to file paperwork and reports and uh, do audits and that kind of thing. Uh, the water heater dying is just expensive. I mean, that's just straight money out of the pocket oh something else i didn't mention uh we paid off the truck the truck that got the rat in the hvac <laughs> uh just five days before that happened we wrote a big old check to the to the credit union paid it off it was like yay no more truck payment oh big giant truck repair uh so that was that was tough so there's lots all these ups and downs right i share this with you because i think this is representative of most people's lives I think most people go through this type of thing. And while I am privileged enough to have uh, been coached and mentored and supervised into a place where I can recognize my own emotional functioning, my own psychological distress, and I know the tips and techniques to work through it, I don't know that most people do. And even if you're listening to this podcast or you're reading some articles or you're attending therapy on your own, um, it's really hard to to apply this stuff, practically speaking, unless you start practicing it. So my friend and mentor, Christian Conti, always says you get good at what you practice. And if you want to practice peace, then you got to be peaceful. You got to do it. If you want to be peaceful, practice it. You want to, you know, practice it, you got to do it. So uh, it goes hand in hand. And I think for a long time, if I look back on my life, I had these, uh, these long stretches where I would just be depressed and angry. And, and it's okay to say that, um, even if you're in it, you're just like, I'm, I'm in the middle of a funk right now. 
And the important thing is to know that you're going to get through it. So what I've practiced, and I, I think I did it without even realizing it because I just do it for a living and I help people through it. And I'm, I'm coaching, you know, interns, obviously, and I'm, I'm supervising and I'm, I, I just, it's, I'm surrounded, I'm digesting it. I'm, I'm immersed in the culture of it is that I recognize that emotions are, um, three things. They're, I just, I just did this over the weekend. I spoke at a, a, a baseball camp for, for kids and parents and, there's, there's basically three components to emotions. They're temporary, they're instructive, meaning they, they tell you, they teach you something, and they must absolutely be attended to. So if if you notice what's going on with you and you you realize it's it's not forever, that's like so much of the battle. That's that's probably 80, 85% of the battle. The the second component of knowing that it's teaching you something is equally informative because if you go back to the the way that I open the podcast of trying to understand things, um, that's I made that binary for for a reason because I knew I was going to come to this point here. Asking why about an event is not the same as asking what's going on with my emotion. What is it trying to teach me? Asking why about an event is neurologically unsatisfying, but asking what my sadness is telling me can be very satisfying because then it creates perspective and it creates a, a temporary time frame that then get, lets you ask, how long do I want this instruction to go on? So if I have a beer fridge crap out on me and stop working and I know it's going to be like hundreds of dollars that I don't have because I just had to pay for an HVAC repair and I've got a water heater on deck and we just paid off the truck. (laughs) Like I can't just go out and buy a new fridge. And I don't think a lot of people have the ability to just go out and buy a new giant chest freezer. Um, I have to endure that distress. I have to face my own sadness and go, this sucks. And that's okay. I can, I can be sad and I can, I can wrap it around me and I can, I can roll in it and I can, I can be in that for as long as I want. As long as I know what it's telling me is, Jake, you expected the repair to work. It didn't work. And beyond that, you expected to have your hobby continue. And maybe it won't. And you've been through this before. You've had to give up other things in exchange for some new things. And you made it. Like, this is me talking to myself, by the way. So, like, pretend I'm looking in the mirror. So, if you guys are listening to this and you're experiencing some emotional upheaval in your life, go back to the definitions of those of those 10. Go back to the neurological adaptive function of what emotions tell you. If you're stuck in an angry spot and you're having angry thoughts all the time, go ahead and pause for a second. Go, hold on. I'm angry all the time. First of all, Jake says that's a secondary emotion and it's usually used to cover up something <laughs> something more vulnerable like disappointment or fear or shame. Um, analyze that. Go, all right. What what's the function of this anger? Am I going to make change out of this anger? And then you can validate the more vulnerable thing underneath as well. So if you're angry because you're disappointed and the anger is going to help rectify something so you don't keep getting disappointment like like I did with with my licensing board. I was disappointed that they weren't doing their damn jobs. And so that pissed me off because as public servants, they should be responsive to the to the public. So I was like, you know what? I can do it better. So I put my money where my mouth was and I let my anger go ahead and carve out a path toward change. I I helped change the way that business is done in the mental health community in Nevada. I'm super proud about that. Now, we're not, we haven't had an arrival point yet. There's no like, hey, we're done. We're always going to be changing and evolving. 
but man, it sure felt good. And now I don't have to be disappointed about that. And if I continue to be angry and I keep waving my fist, you know, stupid licensing board, it's like, well, then maybe I wasn't done yet. Maybe I need to like go back there and keep making change. So if you're in an angry spot, analyze it. That's perfectly reasonable. Um, but don't ask, why am I angry? Ask what your anger is trying to teach you. Ask what your shame or your guilt are trying to teach you. And if there's no there's no logical reason, you go, I don't know, I'm just ashamed and guilty because um, I, I hear my mom's voice in my head telling me I'm not going to be good enough. It's like, all right, well, you're, you're 46 now. Is your mom controlling your life? Well, sort of, because her voice is in my head. All right, cool. Um, is that helping? No, then kick it out. You know, Learn from that shame and guilt. Now, if it's something that says, um, you made a mistake, you failed to meet somebody's expectations, and you want to go rectify that, oh, go ahead. Um, you know, Don't go chase a, a moving target just because you, somebody's voice is in your head. That's not cool. Um, but, but analyze the, what it's trying to teach you. So as I went through this like last two months worth of, of events that were fairly large, fairly um, impactful, and fairly emotional, and uh, oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of them <laughs> all packed into a short period of time. What I was doing was I, I recognized I was on a roller coaster, and that's perfectly fine. That's what life is. Life's going to have its ups and downs, its highs and lows. I'm going to have my moods. My mood is absolutely going to swing. Just having mood swings is not diagnosable, by the way. That's called being a human. We encourage being human uh, because it means that you're fully investing yourself in life and you're you're embracing it. So. My mood swung all over the place. It was I was miserable to be around. I was sad. I cried a lot. I cried tears of joy. I celebrated, um, and I just realized, man, this is like, this is life. This is what life should be. I don't want a dull, boring, mundane, event-free life. That actually sounds way more miserable to me than all the stuff that I just endured because it. Enduring stuff means that I'm active. It means that I'm involved. It means I'm taking risks. I'm taking chances. It also means that I, I have means. I have access. I've, I've, I have privilege. I have, you know, and I don't. Privilege isn't a dirty word, by the way. Privilege is just you're, you're in a spot where you got some stuff, and maybe there's some people who don't have some stuff. So you're, you're privileged, and you can earn privilege. Uh, you absolutely can earn privilege. Privilege can also be given to you. So privilege isn't a dirty word. Uh, I just I want to point that out. So it's very neutral. And um, so I'm in a privileged enough spot to have these opportunities to like what a blessing it is to know that I have car insurance to take care of the HVAC repair so that I'm not out $3,800 for the HVAC repair on my truck. I am out 250 for the deductible, which is unpleasant, but it wasn't 3,800. Um, that's awesome. How about the fact that I have a truck to repair? How about the fact that I had the means to pay it off? That's pretty sweet, man. I want to, I want to be, I want to shift my perspective to one of appreciation, gratitude. And th these are practical mental tasks that you could do on a daily basis if you're aware of them. So if you start to slip into a, a depressive funk, Look around you and see what you're grateful for. And yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to get out of depressive funk. Depressive funk is easy. Uh, depressive funk gets attention from people. Depressive funk um, gets people to you know to to buy you drinks and try to pull you out of it. <laughs> like uh, sometimes it's okay to be there, but eventually it starts to wear down other people and it wears down your own uh, physiology. You get sick if you know we get we get all sorts of physical ailments if we if we stay in depression or anxiety too long. So we, we want to shift our our mentality once we recognize that stuff. 
Go ahead and stay in your anger if it's productive. Go ahead and stay in your depression if it's motivating you to, you know, like avoid things in the future. Um, go ahead and stay in your shame if it's motivating you to go make amends with other people. That's th- Those are fine. When it becomes not fine is when it controls you and you've lost the ability to uh, validate your own life. And, and I, I think that's probably the overarching lesson here is that when you're going through tough times or when you're in emotional upheaval, that's a really good indicator that you got a pretty darn good life. If you've got the ability to bellyache about things, that means you have things. There's there's some people that don't have things and they're bellyaching about just not having them. And and if you're one of those people, you're in a down and out situation, man, my heart goes out to you. Um, if you're living in America, there's like resources galore to go help you out uh, if you're if you're willing and able to go find them, which is uh, yet again another blessing. So it's about a mental shift away from that the, what you don't have or what you lost or what you missed out on, and toward what you do have, even if that thing isn't necessarily a possession of some sort. Like you know, at least you have the means to go access something like. Uh, if your feet work, you can walk to the grocery store, right? Um, I, which I, I walked and I biked while I didn't have my truck. Actually, I didn't do much biking because my back was killing me. Um, but even in the, in the middle of that, I was like, man, this isn't forever. Like there's an answer to this because why isn't it forever? Well, cause it wasn't like this before. So if I can mentally push through and I can envision what it's going to be like on the other side, it makes the middle of it so much more enduring. I'm sorry, so much more uh, tolerable while I'm enduring it. So to close, I want to close with a with a uh, an imagine uh, like a uh, an imagery. So uh, picture in your mind a wave, not like a like a sea wave, but like a sine curve wave. Like a it's got a like a whoop, and it's evenly balanced. And there's a the whoop. You couldn't see my finger, but it, <laughs> that's the, the the crest of the wave. So it's an even wave, like I draw on the on the whiteboard when I'm describing emotions. Okay, so you're on one side of that wave, and that wave can be um, an event, it could be an emotion, it can be emotion attached to an event, it could be a mood, it could be an illness, it could be an injury. And what I realized through all of this uh, craziness of the last couple of months is that I have, through my continued teaching of others, counseling, uh and my, my own ongoing training and my practice of self-awareness is that when a wave comes and I have to get through it because there's no way around it, you got to go through it. Uh, if you try to go around it or avoid it or stuff it down, we know bad things happen. So you have to go through it. If you're standing on one side of it and you're looking, you're looking like, I, I don't know, all I see is a big giant wave in front of me. What I realize is that if you practice looking imaginatively to the other side, what's it look like when my event is over, my emotion passes, my illness or injury heals, um, whatever it is that you're dealing with, when that thing ends, because all things are temporary, let's be honest, like life itself is temporary. So nothing lasts forever except for, you know, the concept of eternity, but we're not getting into that. So all things, as far as we know on this earth are temporary and fleeting. And I'll say that to give anxiety to people, just, <laughs> just know that, that all things are temporary and that should give you hope because here's the hope. On the other side of that is peace. And even if it's not peace, even if it's another wave of some sort that you don't like and is unpleasant, you've made it through the first one, which automatically instructs you that you can make it through another one. And that in and of itself is inspiring and hopeful. So 
I hope everybody learned something from today. Uh, I, I promise I did not want to make this about me. Um, but I am the only one I know with this kind of expertise in his own life (laughs) who's running this podcast. So I wanted to share some stuff, um, personally and maybe give you an idea about how to apply it in your own life. I hope that's, that's the takeaway. And if there's some other takeaway, that's fine too. Uh, reach out to us at noggin, info at nogginnotes.com, uh, info at zephyrwellness.org, uh, podcast ideas, topics, um, you know, guests maybe that you want to hear from. I don't mean individual people, although if you have them, we might take them, but you know, types of guests. If you, if you want to hear from, uh, you know, some, uh, some alcohol and drug practitioner, you want to hear from, uh, somebody who attempted suicide and survived, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you guys uh, are interested in, so, but send us your ideas, send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we're super, super happy that you're listening. Uh, Please spread the word. If this is helping you, it'll probably help somebody else. And uh, hey, it's free. And all this information doesn't do any good locked up in my head anyway. So spread the word. And uh, maybe together we can all make society a little bit better place to live and a little bit more hopeful and inspiring for all. On behalf of the Naga Notes team and the Zephyr Wellness family, I wish you all great mental wellness. Have a good week. (music) 